Welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, Jason Van Tatenove, coming to you from Estes Park, Colorado, as always. Well, today is the resurrection, not that it really died because it, it, it happened last year, of frozen dead guys. But this year, it has magically been transported to Estes Park, Colorado from Nederland. We're going to be talking about that um, and the impacts and, and just some of the, the local dice that everyone may not know about. Um, so we're, we're going to discuss whether or not uh, moving frozen dead guys to Estes Park from Nederland and how it was done really is all that great for, especially the people in Nederland. I mean, I'm sure it'll have some, some great benefits for Estes Park, but we, we got to think about some things. Um, what else is going on? I just got back into town from LA. I went and, uh, had to shoot in Hollywood, a, a daytime television spot that I'm contractually obligated not to mention, uh, where it was, who it was with. Um, man, I really can't even talk about it. And afterwards, um, there are some things I definitely want to say about it though. I'm going to find a way to talk about it. I, 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 I uh, I got to go through the contracts I did sign. Uh, with my attorneys and see what I can actually say. Um, but, you know, I, they didn't say anything about graphic novels. Maybe I'll find a, another medium to uh, talk about the things I want to talk about. Another creative medium. I think I'd be all right with that. Um, it's the uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend. Um, I uh, I actually got to the to L.A. I stayed at the, the Roosevelt, which was quite an experience. And it was, man, traveling these days, I just got back from Detroit, was home for like a day, I had to do a, a conference there on violent extremism, and then uh, out to L.A. Next week, I am uh, heading back to the Midwest. I don't like saying where I'm going before I go, um, but uh, big city. And then uh, uh, got to head to back to California in April for a big conference um, in Northern California. And, uh, so, and this is really just a start. This is just like the, the push with the book and all of the speaking work I've been doing with the nonprofits that I've been working with, um, speaking out against violent extremism and, uh, just, just trying to, to continue to, uh, to speak out about this stuff. So, uh, that should be good. Uh, working on my new book, that's going well. Uh, I've got a, a major meeting coming up with uh, one of the studios I'm developing one of my series with. Um, that looks like it may actually be going forward. I sure hope so. I'm going to knock on wood right now because that's going to be really interesting. And man, what a great experience to, to be able to go through and, you know, write and, and produce and, and then be in front of the camera for a, um, a new docu-series. Um, Exciting stuff's happening, but man, just so busy. I'm just flying in and out and in and out. Every week I'm going to a different part of the country. And uh, that's not expected to slow down anytime soon. So just got to, I got, you know, I, I caught this wave. I just got to surf it as far as I possibly can and, and see what doors open next. Um, but uh, yeah, should, uh, should be recording a spot for uh, Colorado Public Radio later on uh, in the next week or so. Um, so that'll be an interesting interview. We did the pre-interview already, and that was a very interesting, uh, engaging conversation. Um, I'll let you all know when that's coming out. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it for me on the personal side of things. I've just been so busy with work that 
you know, just flying in and out and in and out. Um, but at least, you know, I'm getting them to send drivers and stuff up here. So my family has a car to use while I'm gone. And, you know, I'm not pushing the, the car that needs brakes and a, a bearing, um, even further. Um, but you know, some of the return on, on this work I've been doing is, is set to start hitting here really soon. So hopefully I'm going to knock on wood one more time. Hopefully that'll happen. Uh, well, it, I mean, it was contractually obligated to happen. It will be happening later this month. So things were going to get a little bit less in survival mode for, for my family and I, which is a, a big thing because we've been there for, well, a whole long time. So, um, some of this stuff's actually starting to pay off. So I just, it had been a little while since I, I put out something local here. So I wanted to take the time to talk about frozen dead guy days and uh, just lay out what's happening and, and who the players are and uh, you know, what, what people think about it. So what I think about it specifically. So um, we're going to get into that. So let's, let's jump into um, kind of a, a breakdown of, of what it means and uh what the the good things that are going to come out of it maybe some of the bad things and and just what people should be aware of so i think um i think that's going to be today's episode so let's just go ahead and jump right into it all right well for those listeners that may not come from colorado may not know some of the the local colorado traditions um Frozen Dead Guy Days has been one of the staples. It's kind of a burner event almost. Has a burner feel like, you know, the the Burning Man um communities. A lot of overlap and um it was always in a small little town called Nederland, Colorado or as locals call it Ned, which only has about a population of 1500 days or 1500 um at least back in the day. It may have grown a little bit. Um but really it was started as a way to um, to help local businesses because they were, they are a ski town. They've got Eldora uh, ski resort right there. Um, and they've got summer tourism, but really it was a way to right now in the mountains of Colorado, it is our slow season, which means local businesses are laying off employees and just, it is a tough time. Like the summers are heaven up here, just like heaven in the uh, immortal words of, of uh, Robert Smith the cure. But in Colorado, in the mountains, you have to earn that heaven by getting through the winters. And, you know, this is this the season of cabin fever. This is when we see, you know, people kind of lose their shit a little bit um, because we've been cooped up and we just want to get out. It looks nice. Like today looks beautiful out, but you go outside and it's, it's below freezing. Um, so you just kind of stuck. And uh, so, so we we try to find things that we can do that'll do that. So um Nederland came up with um came up with a festival that had a very unique backstory. And and if you're not familiar with Ned, <laughs> just do some 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 perusing on the the local history of Ned. Um but um the story behind Frozen Dead Guy Days is much stranger than uh, you know, the, the, the festival itself. Um, and it all started with a guy named Grandpa Birdo Morstolio, Morstol, Morstol, Morstol. 
I have no idea how to pronounce that. Um, who, um, the story, it didn't then, like the story didn't start with him. It really started with his grandson, a guy named uh, Trigiv Bog. And again, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm uh, mispronouncing that. Um, but when he was younger, he had a fascination of cryogenics and cryogenics is a a whole theory that you take someone who's close to death or or recently died and you put them at an ultra cold temperature and um, preserve the body in hopes that someday uh, technology will progress to the point that you'll be able to reanimate them and bring them back to life to live. Um, This is a theme that was explored in one of my favorite graphic novel series, uh, Transmetropolitan did a series um, of comics that w- dealt with like, what, what does life look like for the people who get woken up later? Maybe not, maybe not as pretty as they had hoped, maybe not what they were sold. Um, anyway, uh, grandpa Morstel's grandson, um, again, was fascinated by this and uh, he actually founded a, com- a company um, over in Europe uh, doing just this Um and you know this is this is something that celebrities had gotten on. It was kind of big back in the uh, was it the nineties? Might have been the nineties. Um, <clears throat> but um, according to uh, an interview he did with the Colorado Sun, he says that his grandpa knew that he wanted to be suspended he himself, and that he was probably aware that he wanted to freeze his family members and. Um, he wasn't opposed to it. grandpa when he had the conversations with his grandson, wasn't opposed to it. He liked being alive and uh, he had visited both Netherlands and Estes Park after uh, the grandson had moved to Colorado in 1980. But when grandpa died in 1989, uh, <clears throat> the grandson flew to Oslo from Boulder and immediately preserved the body in dry ice. Then he had um, Bredo's body transported to a cryogenic center called Trans Time in San Landro, California. Their experts um, followed, if they followed, um, traditional cryopreservation methods. The water was was removed from Grandpa's bodies, his cells, and replaced with a glycerol-based chemical mixture called cryptoprotectant. It's kind of a human antifreeze. And again, this is coming from the Colorado Sun article. I will link in the uh, show notes. Um, The whole thing is called vitrification. And according to the National Institute of Health, puts the cells into a state of suspended animation. Morstel's body stayed there until 1993, paid for by funds from his life insurance policy. Um, During that time, um, the grandson bought a piece of property overlooking the town of Nederland, where he planned to build a a cryogenics facility. And really it was a, it was like a a small castle looking thing. It had to be all, all like cement. It couldn't be, um, and fortified rebar. There couldn't be any wood because the cryogenics, uh, system, um, you got to have it in like a cement bunker. Um, and, um, on one side of the building, it was a two story tower, uh, on one side of the building, and he planned on putting a metal cylinder he would fill with liquid nitrogen to store one or two more people once the facility was finished. Um, but before they could finish it, um, the grandson had uh, grandpa collected from trans time and brought to Ned 
with his facility unfinished. So he, he put grandpa into a container in a tough shed, basically a deep freezer. And um, then, um, and ever since grandpa's body, it, it, this deep freezer has been packed with ice becoming kind of his sarcophagus. Um, and, uh, you know, he works with contractors to keep him covered in dry ice, which I think gets to about 90, 90, negative 90. So Bao created a whole cryogenics business in Norway and uh, he does workshops um, and, and people come in for weekend and they bathe in ice and do coffee enemas. So it's kind of like a, a, a frozen dead person spa. Um, anyway, um, in 2010, uh, year, a few years after he was deported back to Norway, years after he was deported back to Norway on an expired visa, the, uh, the town of Ned uh, found out that the, the, the place he was building, the castle cement thing, um, hadn't been built to code. And authorities evicted Odd. And after, after the grandson's fears of that eviction would lead to the melting of, of grandpa's body, um, he went public with it. And the town created a grandfather clause that would let um, grandpa and the tough shed stay. Um, and that's when, uh, that's when the festival all began. Um, and it was back in 2002 when the town needed a festival to really help jumpstart business during the slow season, uh, when Eldora's, uh, ski resort closed down for the season. Um, and you know, it started off kind of, kind of as a, uh, um, a misfit, uh, weird festival, and, uh, you know, they, they included coffin races in the first year where a seven person team raced to a corpse down the street and, and homemade, um, coffins, um, a hearse parade, uh, a frozen salmon toss and a costume dance called grandpa's blue ball. And through minimal advertising, mostly through word of mouth, about 1700 people showed up. And it was a one-day festival, and the wind blew 70 miles an hour, and it was pretty windy last year. I went to last year's, and, man, it was crazy. It was – and there's no doubt this festival has outgrown the town of Nederland. If you've been recently – I mean, I went last year because, you know, we wanted to get out. I went with uh, my buddy Cowboy. And, um, man, but it grew. It grew re- exponentially quick. The second year, they had – uh, 5,000 people and they were doing ice sculptures and new Belgium, um, came up with a, uh, a special beer and, uh, they had more and more volunteers. Um, and so it's been growing every year until, uh, a gal named Amanda McDonald, an entrepreneur from Gilpin County bought it from the chamber for $6,000 in 2012. Well, um, by then, a gal named McDonald, who had been a part of the um, Ned Chamber of Commerce, um, it's now defunct. There is no Ned Chamber of Commerce anymore. But um, she was kind of running things um, for a while. And um, so uh, the numbers of the attendees were were growing higher and higher and, and you know, 10, 15,000 people. Um, and keep in mind, how small of a town Nederland is and the infrastructure they have. Um, 
but it, it was expanded out to three days and uh the chamber had started with a tent for bands in town park previously and uh and it ran pretty smooth um despite all these changes and growing and uh so yeah you know other than like the 90 mile per hour wind gusts and 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 you know snowstorms that happen it, it kept going but like many things that that start small and weird um they they can become very large very quickly and um that can be a problem so um it grew from 5,000 attendees to about 20,000 in the tiny town. And it's got narrow streets. If, I mean, I'm sure most of my listeners here in the Estes Valley have, have been to Netherlands and probably they've been to the, um, uh, the, the festival. Um, but it started attracting regularly 30 to 35,000 people and, and you couldn't get into the music tent. And, um, that's when they started charging money. Um, so, and we're going to get into the money aspect of it now because I, I, I looked at some of the events and what their prices are. And I know I can't afford to go there. And, um, you know, because of who has purchased it and, and um, you know, some of the, the, the work I've put out talking about some of their, their business practices dealing with how they treat J-1 visa employees – um, I don't think I would be all that welcomed as media. So, but you know, you never know. I'd love to have um, um, John Collins come on to the show and talk about um, what he'd like to do. Cause here's the good part of this. And I, I want to state this according to what he's saying, he's going to put pretty much all of the profits into workforce housing and childcare and Estes, which we are in an absolute crisis right now. When it comes to that, we are losing teachers, we are losing law enforcement, we're losing nurses and doctors because there's no place to live. So I don't really know how to feel about this particular um, current event, you know, the changing of hands, because there's no doubt it will be a benefit to Estes Park, especially if if John Collins really does follow through with with what he's saying. Um so I think it's it's on us to to make sure he does to put pressure on him to really engage in that. And and to his credit, that from what I have seen, he really has been active in uh, in the the politicking around the workforce housing and child care issues. And um, you know, I, I I think that's a great thing. And he certainly is one of the major employers in town. I just take issue with some of the the J-1 visa workers, how they've been treated historically, um, and then non-J-1 visa workers, just how workers have been established um, that, that have come to Estes Park. And we've seen a behavior pattern that, that you know, they wind up on our couches due to circumstances that are, are put out there through their employer, um, especially during the pandemic. And I think Stephen King, who, who you know, it is really the reason that we've seen this revival, his story, the shining and the place that our local hotel has played in that kind of cultural mythology. Um, I don't know if Stephen King would really be all that gung ho after hearing about how some of these employees have been treated. Um, um, and I think I, I'm not saying we need to, to, to boycott the Stanley or, or shut it down or anything like that. Like they're, they are doing some good things. What I want to do is see if we can put pressure on um, these major employers that, that 
they agree to a certain basic human treatment of employees when they bring them from outside areas um, that don't have a any support structure whatsoever. And their visa is tied to their employment. And, um, you know, anytime NDAs are involved, I, I don't like that. Um, it's, a, it's a fact of life, though, and it's something we got to deal with. But I think that, that with the movement we're seeing in the right direction, we can put pressure on some of these employers to really begin like almost a worker's bill of rights for the town of Estes Park. I would like to see that. That's what I would like to see. Um, you know, maybe that's at a, a town government level. Um, maybe that's just at a community level where we ask these employers to, you know, agree to treat these people correctly. Um, and just basic human, human treatment. Um, and, uh, I, I would be happy with that. I think, I, and I think it would be good. I think it would look good for the town. I think it would look good for tourism and it would really add to the momentum that we are seeing economically here. Um, all right, back to the history. So one point of, of a major point of contention that uh, Fisher, the, the gal that had worked for the uh, now defunct chamber of commerce um, was that she mentioned in this article on the Colorado sun is that um uh, the Great Outdoors Colorado Grant, the town had secured for improvements to uh, Gersio Field um, next to the Teen Center there in Ned um, to define a trail system there and follow the festival. It turned into a giant mud pit. And I, I could tell you, I was there last year and it was there were literally people throwing globs of mud at each other. It was um, think back to memories of Woodstock, the original Woodstock and then the, the later ones where there was that mud and outdoor festivals when a storm hits. Um, so, but Fisher says that the organizers just didn't meet the expectations the town set for them um, and wishes things could have worked out differently. Um, but, you know, it was a major financial boon for the town of Nederland. And, um, but in, in March of 2022, the town of Nederland shut down frozen dead guy days, afraid it had survived the two, your pause after it had survived a two-year pause due to the COVID pandemic. Um, and that's when John Collins, the, the owner of the Stanley Hotel um, and many other businesses in town, he's kind of buying up town to a large degree, um, uh, bought the festival for $250,000. And um, he handed all operations over to our local um, district to visit Estes Park, um, kind of a, a marketing district here in Estes Park. Um, and he retains only the blue ball, which he's having tonight, um, at the, the concert hall where he has a lot of big national acts come through. I mean, but keep in mind, like, unless you work for the Stanley or you're rich here in Estes, generally you can't afford to go to these shows. Um, case in point, I believe the tickets for tonight's show for the ball are a hundred bucks a piece, um, which, you know, with the price of, of, of groceries and everything else and you know the, the lot most a good portion of ss parks population are support staff you know they're they're working the kitchens and the bars they're they're the wait staff they're working at the hotels and you know it could be hard it didn't you know to catch a concert in town because it is a hundred dollars oftentimes or more um depending on the event so it's just something that that is is you know it's great that these great shows are coming here to town, but a lot of us just have no real ability to check them out. 
Um, <clears throat> there was there was some talk about moving out to you know the flatlands down in the valley, um, but uh, you know there are a lot of similarities uh, between Estes Park and Nederland. Um, you know we're just down the peak to peak highway, um, you know, but there are some differences, and and the Colorado Sun breaks this down real well. Um, they uh, Nederland has year round about. Um, 1500 residents we have they say 8500 um and about 8 million year-round tourists i would say the tourist is about spot on but you know i'd say we're closer to, to four to five thousand year-round residents uh, a lot of people have second houses here and come in uh during the summers so um we have um we do have infrastructure demands we do have housing demands and educational demands medical demands, all those things. Um, and, and John Collins, again, to his credit, says that's when he bought the festival and gave it to the town with a stipulation that all of the proceeds and profits go to child care and workforce housing. Um, and I, I, I have no reason to believe that he's not going to fulfill that promise. And that will be a great boon to us here in Estes because it is something we really, really do need. Um, I've covered this many times over on this podcast, and it is a desperate need that we have. Now, I'm not saying that Nederland doesn't have just as as much of a need um, and, and, you know, maybe even a bigger need. Um, but, you know, it certainly will benefit local businesses here, which will help employment, which will help, you know, all of it. Um, but the fact that he's willing to put all the proceeds and profits to childcare and workforce housing, I think is great. Um, and, and I highly encourage them to follow through with that. And, um, really, you know, again, I, I think John could do some really, really great things. I think he is doing some great things in town, but there's a few issues. I think he needs some, some pressure to, to, to do a better job. And it's, it's probably not an easy job. It's probably a really hard job. And, you know, but at the same time, you know, good things are never easy. And uh, the, the the people that are affected by some of these bad decisions wind up on our, our couches here in town when they have no job anymore suddenly and they have no place to go and they're not even sure what to do with their visas because they're from somewhere on the other side of the globe. So, um, yeah. So, uh, the, you know... The, the new uh, iteration starts today, um, and uh, it, it, it's going to start. There will be a show later on this afternoon at Bond Park and, and kind of a festival. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if there's an entry fee to that or not. Um, I do have the prices on um, some of these other tickets. Um, the... Uh, yeah, Frozen Dead Guy Days. Let me pull it up here. And you can find all this on the Visit Estes, um, visitestespark.com, which is the Estes Parks um, visitor district that I had told you about. It's kind of a marketing district for hotels and just kind of the major players here in town. And they do, they do a great job. Um, so the ball itself is um it will have the polish ambassador evanoff eddie roberts and friends so you know there's no doubt that 
these things um, are, he's already drawing big names um, and, and does all the time. Um, but again, one general admission ticket to the Royal Blue Ball, Blue Ball at the concert hall is starting at $99 for one ticket. Um, and uh, so that, that's just, again, it's, it's expensive. Um, the other price I believe is $35. There will be a coffin race tomorrow. I think that's going to be at the event center where, um, in the school where you got to, you can park at the school. I think it's like 10 bucks or you can go to the, the parking garage, but, um, several different events are happening much less price. You know, if it's not at the Stanley, it's going to be a much lower price. I think it's like $35. Um, there will be free shuttles. Um, but it, the festival goes all weekend from March 17th through the 19th. Um, and, uh, of course this is the St. Patrick's day weekend, which gets a little crazy up here anyway. Again, I mentioned we were kind of in our, our cabin fever stage of the year. Um, Sadly, we had a murder-suicide that happened um, in the Pinewood Springs area just down the hill, about 15 minutes from us. Um, there was a kidnapping that happened up in uh, the Poudre, up the Poudre River um, in that community uh, just north of us. So, you know, things kind of get crazy this time of year. So we're looking for things to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've got a... The Ice Breaker kickoff event is going to be at Bond Park, which is right in the middle of town there as you're driving through, like, to the park. Um, from 4 to 7 p.m., it'll have music, food trucks, drinks, live uh, – I guess it's free. Here it says free live music from Chain Station and AMAC and The Height. Um, and there's a Hearst Graveyard brought to you by the Denver Hearst Association. Um, there is also going to be a um, St. Patty Day's – day beer mile and that includes avant-garde and uh lumpy ridge brewing companies lumpy has been pretty involved with uh frozen dead guy days um for for, many, for several years um they released a uh, special edition beer last year for it i think it was last year um the barrels got some events that are free all day um there'll be an irish wake at cousin pat's irish pub and grill um Lonigan's um, Saloon and Nightclub and Grill. We'll have dinner and music from Nick Wagner, a friend of mine. Um, dancing and music from the Mountain Town Rockers starting at 8. That's a $10 cover. The Royal Blue Ball starts tonight at 7 p.m. Again, it's 100 bucks to get in. Um, it features uh, the Polish ambassador, Eddie Roberts and friends in Evanoff. Um, psychic readings, haunted tours at the Historic Park Theater, uh, along with a ghost hunt. And they will also be screening um, the classic horror film of The Night of the Living Dead. Kind of kicked off everything with uh, George Romero's classic zombie flick. And man, I might go just see that. Um, you can purchase tickets at frozendeadguydays.com and check it out. Um, John Collins has plans to bring the body. He's actually been flying out to Norway and uh, talking with the mayor. Um, and that still remains to be seen whether or not we'll actually get grandpa here, but he's talking about taking the ice house. Um, I think it just has a vehicle in there now. Um, but it's part of the ghost tours, um, but actually retrofitting that to a, um, to a cryogenic, uh, freezing display and museum, 
um, that will include the the liquid nitrogen that can get down to the negative 200 degrees, much better for that type of thing. Um, and he's working with, you know, professionals in that industry to make sure that that's right. So we shall see how this goes. Um, I'm sure I'll be checking it out cause I'm in town and, uh, you know, been traveling back and forth. I feel a little disconnected from the community, but, uh, I'll be out there at some point and checking things out myself. And, um, you know, maybe it'll be a good thing for everyone. Um, you know, maybe it'll be good for Ned because it just won't put such a strain on them. I'm sure they're going to miss the loss of business. You know, I'm sure many businesses um, depended on the the boon from having so many people come through. But apparently it's already in, in motion and, and this year it will be here in Estes. So maybe I'll see you out there um, if you come on up. All right, folks, that's it for today. Uh, I will be releasing another chapter of the audiobook coming up later this week. Um, and I got to get on some writing. I got to get this novel kicked out, this new speculative fiction novel I've been working on. Um, I'm really, really enjoying writing it. So I want to put some time in on that today and uh, just kind of take a breath before I fly out again next week. And that just keeps going. All right, folks. Thanks for listening and take care of one another. You've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade and I'm your host as always, Jason Van Tatenove. <laughs>